Good morning, good afternoon, good, e- good evening, my little sexies, and welcome <laughs> to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. Bone Tomahawk, Dan. Bone Tomahawk. I actually stole that line from the beginning of a Mr. Show. Oh, really? Where, uh, what's his name? Jay, uh, Jay Johnston? Yes. Because they always go, they say some line from the show and go, it's Mr. Show. Yeah. And he was just like, hello, my sexies. <laughs> and that always stuck with me as something like funny. That. So pretty credit, credit where credit is due. That's right. But welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. The I podcast feel like it's about movie movies. We just did one. I feel like it's been a while. Yeah, I know. It does feel like a while. It feels weird. I think uh, it's we're in that summer malaise where, yeah. uh, you know, the last couple weeks have been, I feel like, kind of rough as far as the movies I I've been seeing mm-hmm. uh there there are good movies out right now but i feel like there are good movies coming out like tonight like yeah yeah, yeah. this weekend some good movies That's start true. to come out the only movies that i like I don't want to say disliked, but yeah. wasn't like really all in on. I saw in the last couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, that's how I felt too. Skyscraper was like middling, and yeah, uh, and I think that puts there? some somehow that makes we're in this horror world that we live in right now. And if the mm. movies aren't good, nothing is good. Nothing's good. So it just yeah, everything takes true. forever. I do. I just simply don't have enough toys. <laughs> yeah. To to push out the pain to ignore exactly the abject hole in our existence. Exactly. Oh my god, it's horrifying. I know. But uh, you know what, guys? Things are actually good. Things yes, are they good. are. Things uh, are good. Life, life is a good thing, and, and I'm glad you're all here to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, yeah. so it goes positivity, positivity, positivity. Exactly. Oh, my God, we're drowning. I know. We're drowning. Uh, oh. But in positivity news, or news that is positive for the show, uh, Dan and I have been talking. We have we have heard from uh, our listeners. We, mm-hmm. We're listening to you. We hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we talk a lot, <laughs> like for a real long time, every time. Some would and, say too much. Yeah, the joke is going to be when you see the time. Time on the time code on this, and it's three hours long, and we start by saying yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, we're going to do this right. Yes, we're going to try and do this right. Uh, we're going to try and tighten up the show. Uh, we've heard from people that it takes a long time to get through episodes of the show. We're hearing you. They're still going to do a couple episodes every year where we go mm-hmm. real long. We like those best of episodes. We're going to keep those up, keep those four hours long. And Why we're going to try to repeat ourselves a little yeah. less. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. Yes. We end up circling on certain we do. points. Uh, but, so we're going to try and tighten up the show. We're going to start tonight. We're mm. going to see if we can get you a nice clean 90 minutes Fast for your show. Minutes. I know. Like, we, we often repeat ourselves, yeah. so we're just going to tighten it up yeah. tonight. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, Literally, so yeah. my girlfriend said to me the other day, I listened to that. I saw you saw it in a movie podcast that you were on. And I was yeah. like, oh, what would you think? She was like, oh, it was good. I didn't listen to your show, though. It was too long. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're hearing you. We're going to try and tighten this thing up and uh, keep these episodes a little more tight, a little shorter for uh, the folks out there. Uh, we're going to start tonight and see how we do. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. As, I just inhaled whiskey. Yeah. As, as Dan breathes whiskey through his nose. Uh, Bad idea. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. It's just the whole the time oh, no. was off. I saw it happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, oh, so you can fuck. find us. Uh, let's do the little plug thing up top, and then we'll get right into what we're talking about this week. Okay. Oh my God, that was a big one. Yeah. It just it was one of those where like sometimes I feel like I have two throats, and there's the one that everything's supposed to go down, and there's yeah. the other one that nothing's supposed to go yeah. down. I don't know why it exists, but every once in a while something pops down there. Oh yeah, I'm familiar. And that's what just happened, <laughs> and with like mid mid quality whiskey. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, what is it? Teachers? Teachers. Because it, it's, it was like $15 for a lot. And it's not an awful whiskey. It's fine. No, it was Put fine. Put a little Pepto in I it. Liked and it. It was a, yeah. a win, you know? Exactly. Uh, so uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. I like two movies, numeric two. Uh, you can email us. I like two movie at gmail.com. 
tell us we talk too much and tell us to keep it tighter. That's a, that's a way you can use that, as you have been. Uh, and uh, we're both on Cinadelphia.com uh, writing a lot of stuff, especially this summer. I feel like we've been, Cinadelphia uh, has been really pumping really good it's stuff good. out. Yeah. It's been real good. Uh, so you can check us out over there. Uh, and we are uh, the big thing, the whole reason I'm doing this dumb plug thing right now is so that we can talk about the Nick Cage show yes. that uh, we'll be doing on July 28th. Got pushed back a couple weeks, July 28th. So I can actually go. Yes. So Dan's <laughs> going to be there. It's going to be me and Dan. We're going to do a full, our, 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 our well lauded. Nicholas Cage game show uh, with some new surprises. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna bring that down to South Street Cinema on uh, July 28th. That's a Saturday. Uh, I believe they're good. We're still gonna be going with the uh, choosing a Nick Cage movie. I think we're gonna mm. bring a few Nick Cage movies. People are gonna get to choose which one we'll watch. Uh, Dan and I will do uh, a game show about Nick Cage. That uh, is a uh, ton. If you of win fun. one of these games, there is a Sicario Day of the Soldado baseball cap coming at you. Oh, I fucking love that! I promise you that. I have one, and I don't want it. I am because I didn't care for that movie I'm very much. I'm considering bringing this as a big prize. Uh, yeah, is that a giant theater-sized Watchmen poster? It is indeed. Wow. And I'm considering bringing that down as a prize. I think I'm going to give that away. Nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we got some cool don't prizes. Give this away though. This is your oh no 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 forever. that I'm I'm yeah. hanging on to that. Yeah, so the Escape from New York you can't get rid. No, of No, I can't get rid of my Escape mm. from New York poster. Mm. I mean, I've never opened it or hung it on a wall, but I can't get You're rid of it. You're not supposed to. Yeah, because exactly. then it won't be worth all the things that it's worth. I That's don't know right. what it's worth. I, I have know. no idea. Uh, but yeah, so we're gonna be giving away some uh, cool fun prizes. We're gonna be playing Nick Cage trivia games with the audience. It's gonna be a really good time. Uh, and that's at South Street Cinema on July 28th. Mm-hmm. That's a Saturday. You should be there. It's going to be very fun. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And South Street Cinema overall is like a very fun oh, place to hang out. I've been going and there the a lot. the Puff people uh, do a lot of programming there. And yeah. they rule. So, yeah. boom. Uh, I think they're screening Ghost Shark this weekend. Oh my God. Which I need to see because the screen grab they keep using is a kid using one of those like slippy slides you put in your backyard. Oh, with the And shark then there's literally a ghost shark that he's sliding into. It, what does a ghost... Like, what makes a ghost shark... I guess that's what makes a ghost shark scarier than a real shark. But can a ghost shark consume solid matter? I don't know. Does it transcend the ectoplasmic It does uh, look realm? like this kid could very easily survive the fate that he's about to uh, have by just... Apparating through the ghost shark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel like of all the in movies we've learned that yes. if you point at a ghost and yell, "I don't believe in you," yeah. it loses all power. This is doubly true if you're an adorable child. Yeah, I think. Ooh, actually, wait a minute. Maybe that's the weakness of the ghost shark. Yes, they don't these, know English. These kids you can <laughs> demand that you don't believe in them, yeah. and they're just like, "Wow, food, <laughs> tangible food." <laughs> It's uh, yeah. So uh, Puff is always screening awesome stuff at South Street Cinema. You should go there anyway. But definitely come check it out on July 28th when uh, we'll be there doing the Nick Cage Game Show, which will be super fun. Uh, it's like the most fun thing Dan and I have probably ever put together on our own. <laughs> uh, and tonight uh, we are here to talk about oh yeah a movie that uh, we sort of got handed. There is a. Um, is this like a streaming service people could use if they wanted to? We should have brought up the email, especially in the interest of keeping tighter. Yeah. Um, we really should have brought up the email for it. But, you know, so it goes. Xenon Pictures. Yeah, Xenon Pictures. Is uh, coming up. They they are now going to have uh, streaming. I believe they're just moving all of the Rudy Ray Moore uh, black exploitation movies to streaming. Okay. So I think it's, I don't think this is a streaming service, but they are available on VOD. Yeah. Meaning that you don't have to buy the DVD anymore. They have made these digital. Yeah. And so 
in uh, in honor of this, and just as a thank you to Xenon Pictures for hooking us up with these screeners, yeah. we decided to watch the most notably named of all of them, Dolomite. Dolomite. Starring the fucking coked as shit, <laughs> Rudy Ray Moore. He is incredible in this movie. Uh, and they have a whole collection of this stuff. It's all black exploitation movies. I believe it's all Rudy Ray Moore movies, right? It's all Rudy Ray Moore. So we have uh, we have Dolomite. We have uh, Dolomite is my name. Oh, oh well, that's Netflix's Rudy Ray Moore biopic. Sorry, oh, okay, so okay, that'll okay. be very cool. Um, <laughs> there's Petey Wheatstraw, the Devil's son-in-law. Okay, Disco Godfather, of which I am a very big that fan. Sounds amazing. Um, I believe that that's a Larry Cohen film. The best title I've ever heard. Death Force. Oh, Welcome to Death sorry, Row. You're getting better. The Mothers with a U. The Mothers. Oh, okay. Blackenstein. Oh, yeah. Lord Shango. Sweet Sweetback's badass song. That's, that's a how famous it's pronounced. Movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's Mar- uh, Melvin Van Peebles. Right. I almost said Mario Van Peebles. He's, he's <laughs> the lesser Van Peebles. And then um, Penitentiary. Now, this is uh, the last two, Sweet Sweetback and Penitentiary, are not Rudy Ray Moore movies. Okay. But these, through Xenon and Uncorked Pictures, they'll be releasing these as well for the first time in HD uh, as part of the Black Cinema canon. Yeah. So you should definitely check it out. Oh, and actually, this is really cool, too. Uh, the Almost Lost Animated Assault on Racism, Ralph Bakshi's animated Coonskin is going to make its VOD debut. I saw that at Exhumed Films a few years back. Yeah. And it was pretty much like one of those things that everyone was like, holy shit, you can't get this. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you can, or soon you can. Yeah. And it's a really cool movie. That's and awesome. And so, and it has uh, Scatman Carruthers in it. So oh, it's awesome. uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, as part of this, we think this is a great idea to take these uh, films that exist on very shitty prints. Yes. And to, you know, release them on DVD. To re- or, wow, I'm so old. <laughs> to release them on Blu-ray. Yeah. And to release them in streaming is yep. a very cool thing. Yep. So, in honor I, of that, we watched Dolomite. Yeah. I love that all these exploitation movies are getting, like, digital transfers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, people are finding original prints, and they're, and they're making, like, 2K and 4K scans of them. And, and they look great. Like, this looked really good, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still got the same uh sound and picture quality that it you can't add budget its... and post yeah no, exactly. you can't do that yeah uh but they look great i mean these it was like a really good transfer uh which is um just like an impressive thing that we can mm. do now and i think has made for you know there are tons of companies right now that are putting out these like just sort of like new scans of movies mm-hmm. and it's worth it it's like really worthwhile and it's kind of spawned a whole new industry for these like old exploitation movies and actually the way you said their last is the most important thing is that yeah. it's more exhibition yeah um that's key. Like I, I know that. Uh, actually, this is kind of funny. It's speaking of exploitation and and Grindel Cinema, uh, this weekend on Shutter, there's the Last right. Drive-In, which is Joe Bob Briggs yep. doing a countdown marathon thing. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's like a twenty-four I hour marathon. Joe Bob Briggs, and I asked him about how you know, like David Lynch hates that people watch movies on their phone. Yeah, it's not how it's meant to be. And whereas I agree with him, mm-hmm. um, I also agree with what uh, 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 Joe Bob Briggs said when I asked him, "What do you think of like?" what some are calling the death of the theatrical thing. And he said, well, it's not really that. People still go to the movies, but exhibition's always a good thing, no matter how you cut it. And so for things like this, it's a good thing because these are historic films. These are cool films. And you're not really going to get them into the mainstream no matter what you do. But they're now sort of digitally preserved. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny to think that the intangible version is the one that is now preserved for the ages. I know. So, But I think it's a good thing in terms of longevity. Absolutely. And for just an option for exhibition. Yeah. It's because you and I are not going to get to see a movie like Dolomite on the big screen unless someone like Exhumed. Unless Exhumed does it. Is doing it, you know? Uh, It's just not 
the business model currently is not going to hold something like that. Mm. Uh, but I want to see these movies. Like I, I like I. It doesn't. I would prefer to see them on the big screen, but I know I can't, and I want to see these movies. I love that there are so many companies right now that are sort of like churning out these sort of like new scans. Uh, of Shout Factory, baby. Yeah. Oh, love them. It's I and I don't know if it's them, but like somebody just put out like a new print of Candyman. That's like oh, from one nice. of the original prints of Candyman. Nice. Uh, I think on Blu-ray. Like, there's a lot of this stuff is happening right now, and it, it, it's I think it's very exciting. And it allowed me to see Dolomite, which a, a part of the reason we're talking about it is um, it's one of the you know like Superfly just got remade. Yep. Uh, and I've actually heard that's pretty good. I'm excited. I would like to see. I'm that. very excited to see that. That's a movie passer if there ever was one, yeah. and I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see that. I've heard good things about it. Uh, Dolomite is next up to be, um, you know, remade in some fashion for the modern era. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary on whether that's a thing you're interested in or whether you think it might be good or not. Uh, I'm always interested in that. I don't really care when people remake movies. I, you know, uh, I'm always interested to oh, see yeah. what people. They don't are get doing. rid of the, and that's the thing. They don't get rid of the originals. Right. What gets rid of the originals is if we let them disappear. If we that's why this re-release can't does exhibit that. them exactly. Yeah. And the upcoming Dolomite thing, uh, I I just read this, which blows my mind. Uh, my name is Dolomite. It's Netflix's biopic of Rudy Ray Moore. Do you know who plays Rudy Ray Moore? No. Eddie Murphy. Whoa. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm very into Whoa. that. Whoa. That's kind of perfect. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's... I would love to see Eddie Murphy do it because he's a tremendous actor when he really feels like, like doing that. it. Yeah. I would really like to see that. That's cool. Uh, do you know when that comes out or is that just like an announced? Like, It'll be on Netflix. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so we decided to pick Dolomite because I've never seen it. Had you ever seen this before? I saw Dolomite forever ago. Yeah, because when I first got into Tarantino and I yes. first saw Jackie Brown, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look up all these black exploitation things." Yep. And what you could get your hands on then is were like things like Superfly and Dolomite yep. because they were the big names. They were the big ones. So you know, you found yeah. them. It was also kind of the when the internet started providing movies for people. Yes. And so you know, take take that as you will. But yeah, yeah. it was Dolomite was one that I saw. But I could not possibly remember it. Yeah, yeah. I did not realize that Dolomite was so... Let me switch that. I didn't realize that Black Dynamite was so barely a parody. Yes. Because it's so... It seems so heightened in hindsight. Yeah. As, you know, as a white man in 2018... Uh My experience going to the movies is very different than a black man in 1975. Yeah. And uh, so that's just neat to see. It re- I'm, so like that's my weird history with this kind of thing is like it, it's very possible Black Dynamite is the first black exploitation movie I ever mm. saw. May, uh, maybe Jackie Brown. Like I've seen basically like. And they're like post black exploitation exactly. because this isn't a. Uh, because that's the thing about black exploitation is it's like okay movie business. Yes. How about we make movies for a black audience right. specifically for? And in the meantime, in that Larry Cohen documentary, Larry Cohen said something about I forget which one he directed. I think he was talking about Disco Godfather. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, you know, I, uh, you know, you, you you make a movie for a black audience, they show up. A couple of guys that don't get jobs get jobs. Who, who's getting hurt? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually great. You know, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but the but- idea of a movie like made for what would be a niche audience which ultimately mainstreamed is a wonderful trend to behold 100 percent uh and it you know it it's interesting there's a reason these are called exploitation movies black exploitation does have like a a a very specific connotation because it is there's an edge to it yeah well and it's it's it is definitely movies for a black audience which is a great thing um but they are also exploiting that black audience to mm. make money off of them. That's Absolutely. that's the whole idea. Movies are exploitative. Yeah, exa- yes. It's just back then because it's like, oh, we got 10 grand to make a movie and that's it. Yep. 
you know, you have to put a, you have to really play to the back, yep. to the back row. Yep. It's it's very interesting the the sort of history of like exploitation in cinema I think which I'm not that qualified to talk about mm. um, but I just find like fascinating uh, especially as it regards to um, uh, what would you call it like uh, like like niche audiences mm-hmm. uh, and sort of exploiting those audiences to pit to foot the bill but in doing so making movies for that audience absolutely and, and sort of the 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 tension and balance between it's those it's a two business things. yeah it's it's always been a business and yep. that's a business move and when you're going towards when you're gunning towards a crowd you you often do have to i don't want to say cater to the worst instincts but you've got to i don't even want to say dumb down right but you you ha- you just have to catch everything in it, you know, and that that involves all matters of the extension of where taste has its limits. Absolutely. Well, and I think where the you know the the where where exploitation gets really interesting is that it's sure we're we're exploiting this audience, but in doing so, we're giving a uh, a black actor and writer and director an opportunity to make a movie with their voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dolomite very much feels like a movie that like uh, definitely wouldn't get made now, mm-hmm. uh, even though. We're about to make a Dolomite movie, you know, uh, but it, it it's the it wouldn't co- get made now in this way. In this way, yeah. exactly. It's I think people so I nowadays think- would incorrectly, but understandably, be like, "This movie hates white people," right? Yeah, and you know, it doesn't, but it right. is playing on the catharsis of okay, we are, we're kind of on the lower end of things. Yeah. Let's make a movie where we're not. Let's yeah. make a movie where the white guy is the villain. Let's make a movie where a black guy flips the script and becomes the one in power. And that's that's where I think nowadays people might get rubbed the wrong way. Mm-hmm. We almost have to use more nuance and that kind of thing, which is sad. But like you know, something like Get Out mm-hmm. can make a point because it doesn't, it's not so broad. Yeah. Um, whereas this one is very much broad. What oh, was that? Yeah. What was that movie that we saw at X Fest where the one it was a uh, a black cop was smoking cigarillos oh, and God. his white partner was like, "Why don't you just smoke cigarettes?" And he was like, "Cause they're white." <laughs> and it, it was great, and, but that's the kind of thing that if that happened now and it wasn't in yeah. Black Dynamite, people idiots would be like, Rrr. "Yeah." And so. It's cool that with the lens of time, mm-hmm. the forgiveness that we give outdated stuff, we ends up lending its hand to that sort of forgiveness. Yeah. But if you are, I guess we can call ourselves woke individuals. Sure. You can embrace that sort of, uh, I guess exploitative is the word, the trashy aspect yeah. of it, where it's like, oh, no, they're just gunning for the, the fun emotional appeal and the catharsis yeah. of it. Which is a good thing. Well, it's also like uh, to some extent, like the the like gaming the system, right? It's yes, like exactly. They're they're exploiting this audience, but in doing so, uh, um, you know, a bunch of black creatives get to tell their story mm-hmm. and, and like make their movie. And, I and love make slasher it the way they movies, want. and they exploit me because sometimes I like seeing titties, and sometimes I like people getting stabbed. Right, and I don't I don't like either of those things in a in a malevolent sense. Right. But the catharsis of showing it is exploitative of me. Yep. It is exploitative of the concept, and it's great entertainment. Yeah, and it's not hurting anybody. Right. And so this, you had the added bonus of yeah, we're we're also giving Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah. This guy who ain't no Sam Jackson. Right. Uh, but dude, which is my I opinion. gotta say, after watching this, Sam job Jackson is indebted to Rudy Ray Moore. Sam Jackson was Shaft. It's well, but Sam Jackson, the like. Uh, Oh yeah, the image. The, well, and the the motherfucker of it all. <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, no one has ever said it better than Rudy Ray Moore. The, that that was like that's true. I've never seen motherfucker used in such a perfect <laughs> way as it is in this movie. He's he is a 
specimen, man. I don't even know how to be how to begin talking about Rudy Ray Moore. He, I mean, he's he falls he falls victim to, but then also becomes the best part of limited budget filmmaking. Oh yeah, in that once we edit something and we're using celluloid and we ain't got any money. It sticks. Yep. So there are so many scenes where there's a lot of lead time before he starts <laughs> his line. And there was probably aimed for less lead time in the shoot. Yeah. But because he's on his own wavelength, uh-huh. he just waits his time, yeah. you know, w- waits, puts out the line, sometimes elevates to the point where he's slapping a woman. <laughs> yep. Who, you know, but that that's a weird thing that normally you'd be like he just looked right at the camera yeah yeah, yeah. oh man he's he, he didn't even hear them say action yeah yeah oh he definitely cut yeah. and they didn't cut yet yeah. and then here it becomes kind of the charm of it because it is so impassioned well and there's a legitimate charisma and charm yes in him, absolutely you know? uh, uh, and these are the best takes yeah we always talk about the sloppy edits in scorsese where a drink cha- changes hands yeah, and it's yeah, clearly yeah. that that was made because it was like Fuck that stuff. We got the two best performances. Yep. We need that. Yep. And like this has that, but in a lower, very lower budget feel. Oh, yeah. So charming. And, but and then you get those like uh, those great shots where we we eventually, you know, especially uh, when you get to the sequence towards the end uh, at the club where they're, they're doing the like the oh jungle God. dance, which we got to have some time on that. Yeah. Uh, but it but it eventually gets to like a a close up shot on him as he's delivering this sort of like impromptu. Uh, we'll talk like, about that. Too. Yeah, yeah, like he, superpower. Yeah, he's delivering like this impromptu story. It's it's sort of like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, it's almost like he's at a story slam that he's the star of. Um, but he is amazing in that scene. Like the way he's delivering that entire speech is so watchable and fun and over the top and scene chewing but in a way that is because of like the uh, the the speed that the rest of the movie is at feels like the like one of the standout sequences in the movie you know mm-hmm. the movie like really comes alive in this moment where he's delivering this like crazy story about monkeys or whatever he's or the titanic whatever or that something was. i don't yeah, know it's but it's legitimately like a great performance that you kind of gravitate towards in the midst mm-hmm. of this movie. He's like, he, he's he's got star power, yeah. but he's just not from a star mold. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. He's a beefy guy. He's got titties. He uh-huh. wears these pants up to his nips. Oh yeah. And he's just like he's clearly older than yep. than your than your badass action star. Yep. But also at the same time, I love that that's kind of part of Dolomite is that. Yeah. He's been in the clink for a decade or uh-huh, so, or uh-huh. what? I don't know how long it's, I th- I how think long it's been. If I, if I remember this movie, and I barely do, he got sentenced to twenty. Barely, he got sentenced to twenty, and I believe they say that he spent two okay. before they give him this mission to go out and try and, and protect clean the, streets up the streets from something or other from Guns them. I don't know and drugs from bad stuff. He seemed to be in charge of, but the, but kept a, it in control. I, you know, that's I do the, like that about it because that's the one story that you always hear anytime that you talk about black plight in the face of law enforcement yeah. is like the re, it, it always speaks to the cyclical idea of just yeah. like, well, you won't let us get ahead in your system, so we yeah. created our own, and now you're trying to fuck that up. Yeah. And you know, well, so I, I think that that's what this is sort of playing into. I did think, like, as far as like trying to give like a reading on this movie, the thing I was—I oh, should just say, oh, yeah, please. That's what I like about Dolomite, though, is that he was on the streets for—he was working the streets for a very long time, spent yeah. some time in jail. So it—it it would make sense that he is 
in his 40s or 50s uh-huh. is just kind of pudgy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? no, you're right. Like, he's not this slick, cut-from-marble yeah. you know, hero. Oh, no, I definitely yeah, buy that's it what like, I mean. in the context yeah. of the story, too. And I did, like, if you want to give, like, a read on this movie, and, and I, uh, you know, my understanding is a lot of black exploitation is this way. My, my, my experience with black exploitation at this point is very limited. Not just to Black Dynamite anymore, thankfully. I've, I've seen some actual black exploitation now. Uh, but it, in my limited experience with it, this is often the case that these are the stories they're telling. But I do like that this is a read you could take from this movie. Uh, uh, two big things. One is that the villain is ultimately like a, a white member of the government, mm-hmm. right? Who is basically manipulating this whole situation to try and keep the black man in his among his constituency down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, which is a very interesting thing that seems to kind of play out across a lot of black exploitation. is the ultimate villain is often a white politician who is using his position to, to sort of actively keep the black man down in, mm-hmm. in America. And I think I that's, think that's like, even what we talk about now is uh, like 100%. the loud mouth yelling N word racist and all that. Like they're a pocket that no one listens to anyway. Right. And like really where the problem is, is all the systemic stuff. Yes. And like just the fact that it's like, here's a movie that's 40 years ago speaking it's about it. you trying to talk and about it's that. like, it, it's yeah. a very good testament to the idea of like, Hey, we should listen to people. Yes, you know? exactly. Like, it's like, yeah, they have felt this way for 50 years. They're I not mean, making it up. Longer, but like, you know, it was already in our media 50 years ago. Yeah. Like, that's this is a real concern. Mm. Uh, and then the other thing is this idea that I did think was kind of interesting that Black Dynamite, it, it's like you were saying, there's a system that they're not allowed to be a part of. Mm. So they have to create their own. And and in within that system, Black Dynamite was quote unquote one of the good guys. He was one of the guys that Black underst- Dynamite. You're talking about Dolomite. Sorry, Dolomite. <laughs> was, uh, sorry, I literally the whole movie I couldn't get it out of my head. Every it time sounds s- like dynamite. Every <laughs> time somebody said Dolomite, I heard Dynamite. 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 <laughs> every time. Uh, That's Dolomite. So funny. We're is, racist. I, it's, I'm a white dude trying to talk about this movie, and I, I know we fucked up. I, I feel what are we so doing talking black exploitation. I know. <laughs> Uh, but you know, uh, I'm here and I'm talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we I'm, gotta do I'm, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm I am comfortable with my ignorance in this is is the thing I think. Uh, We're learning. We watch the yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I think is very interesting is this idea that Dolomite is like he is quote unquote the good guy in this situation. He is in control within this system that they're working within. Whereas, um, what's the other character's name that takes over? Oh, the, Willie Green. Willie Green. Whereas Willie Green is, quote-unquote, the bad guy because Willie Green ends up working for the man, mm-hmm. right? So Willie Green becomes the bad guy. And you have this idea that literally the warden... You find out later that this was kind of organized by the white politician anyway. But if we if we take that out of it and just take the warden at his word in the beginning of the movie, what he's basically saying to Dolomite is like, they pulled you in. They basically trumped up some charges to pull you in. And in doing so, we're watching the streets get worse. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is getting worse out there. The cops put a guy in in Dolomite's place that they could control. Yep. And or the cops, just the government or the, whatever yeah. it is, the governing body, the whites. Yeah. Uh, yes. the, the man. The, the man, man put yeah. uh, this guy in who's under their control yeah. because there is a business in keeping the downtrodden downtrodden. Absolutely. And what is interesting to me is that one of the things the movie kind of addresses is this idea that, like, by improperly imprisoning this guy who, again, in this situation is the good guy. It doesn't mean he's not doing anything illegal by the laws. Mm. He murders three people ten minutes Literally after coming out of jail. Literally as soon as he gets yeah. out of prison. Yeah. It, it, you know, 
As far as the law is concerned, he's definitely breaking laws and could go to prison for those things. But he's not the bad guy in this situation. He has a code. He has a code of honor. His yeah. presence on the streets was actually, uh, this is a weird thing to say, but like good. Mm-hmm. And they His intentions were better. Their right. intentions are to keep everything bad. Yeah. Where his intentions is to use his power to make everything better. Right. For, um, yeah. You know, for, for his people. For that For the people that yeah. he cares about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's like a very interesting oh, thing. You got to see the new Purge. I, really? Yeah, yeah. The hero is exactly that. Yeah. And man, it's a performance. Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in that. Ilan Noel. I need to watch those movies in general. I they're haven't cool. seen any of them. They're, yeah. they're cool. Yeah, they're I, I would like to see those. Grillo, baby. I feel like I'd appreciate them. Oh, yeah. I love Grillo. Uh, but I, I think that's interesting that this movie is like trying to address some of those uh, concerns within the black community. Mm. And, and it that's an interesting read on the, you know, false imprisonment uh, uh, of people, uh, mm. of, of people of color in, in America that... You know, in doing so, there there could be unintended consequences to that um, for the community at large. There, there's just very. It's a very interesting thing they're trying to address. It's, it is an exploitation movie that ultimately is like not addressing those things in any kind of with any kind of depth. Mm. But it is talking about these things again. Fifty years ago, where had anyone actually been? Had any white person been paying attention to this stuff, might have actually gotten something out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it's really interesting to me that they were, and it makes for that becomes. It's like you get why this was actually big entertainment at the time too. It's like yeah, there's a whole community of people that are watching that and just nodding their heads like yeah, that's oh, the world yeah. I live in. That's this is my the world. life I live. Yeah, and it, and it's like a double edged sword because on the one hand it's like. This shows the plight of my life, yeah. but on the other hand, it's like, oh, check it out. What we what we're living is in a movie. How cool is that? It's representation. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's fascinating to go back and watch this. Like I that I think is why, and I that's a little bit of the like. Um, uh, I, I am aware that that's a little bit of the like white guy from the outside looking in mm-hmm. perspective. You know, it's uh, not not a perspective. Yeah, um, but it, uh, I do find it fascinating. It's it's a very interesting to me to see this kind of. It's, you know, I'd almost call it like subversive entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, 40, 50 years ago. I, I'm I'm fascinated by that. I, I think it's so interesting. And I think it's very interesting and potentially sad that we're still watching movies like this. Like mm-hmm. there are still, you know, like Get Out is. Oh, yeah, it's called The News. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, it, you know, even something like Get Out is like this new movie that's fantastic and great, but is still having to have that, conver- you know, is still trying to have that same conversation with mm-hmm. its audience. Uh, and you know, you'd hope we'd be at the point where it's like we can move past that conversation and onto maybe more pressing and important conversations. The problem is we're not there. We still haven't gotten there in fifty years. It's it sucks because yeah. it's like it's a slow thing, and you wish you could snap your fingers and just make yeah. it right. Like I always, one of the things, a heartbreaking policy that I always thought was garbage, not without merit, but like stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. I I think stop and frisk is is offensive. Um, I agree. On the one hand. It is in the terms of numbers. It can be, uh, you, know, you can you can show the statistics as yeah. a good thing, where it's like hey, these people that would have just gone away unmolested, we stopped them, we found weapons on them, yeah. we found drugs on yeah. them, and we're cleaning up the streets. Okay, cool, great yeah. fix this week, great fix this year. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like yeah, but you also just created a dude who now hates the system. Yeah. Who is now. Absolutely going to find out a way not to leave his own system, but to make his system even harder to detect Mm -hmm. from yours because he doesn't trust you. And it creates that thing. And that goes down through generations. And I think what you're talking about with like Dolomite, it's like, yeah, he's not necessarily 
a good guy. Like he murders people. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He literally slaps women while he's fucking uh-huh. them. Yep. Um, <laughs> because that's he says he's gonna give one of them a good frickin'. Yeah, it was one of those lines that you could tell they couldn't quite get past the censors. Yeah. Uh, you know, right on the heels of a sex scene that is literally just missing soundtrack <laughs> yes, and everything, yeah. and it just blips to after they come. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's sort of the kind of thing is like Dolomite represents the guy who wasn't hurt anybody right. and got stopped and frisked. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though there was trumped up charges sure, on him, you yeah. know, but. Why would a dolomite go? You're right. I'm gonna go get a job at the bank. Yeah. In that sort of a situation, and right. like this movie from 43 years ago, mm-hmm. I think I did the math right, was saying what we're all still seeing now. You yeah. Know, that's very upsetting, but it's also like that's cool. We should have this stream. Absolutely. That I, I mean that I think that's why you know things like uh, particularly black exploitation, but exploitation in general, but I, I think particularly black exploitation is. Seems to be being reevaluated, or kind of already was reevaluated in the last like 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. um, as being more than just trash cinema. You know, mm-hmm. as as being the this sort of opportunity for people without a voice to have a voice. Mm-hmm. It, the the purpose of giving them a voice was to exploit them, and they took advantage of that uh, in a positive way to use their voice. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And I'll tell you what, I've been to quote-unquote black movie theaters, yeah. and to this day, Dolomite, even in not a meta-novelty sense, would fucking crush. Oh, yeah, Because yeah. it's just on that rhythm that, that you know, I, I can get into it, but it's not natural for me. I really don't want to other anybody by saying yeah, this. Yeah. But I just, I've done comedy for black crowds, there's a different swagger for it. Yeah. Um, there's just a different pace to movies for any different crowd. Yeah. And, like, this I could just see just going over... Like gangbusters, there I, are, yeah. It's there are different voices we respond to. It depends mm. on who you are, and and you know, I I don't think you or I like to make generalizations about these Mm-mm. kinds of things, but there are certainly voices that a black audience is going to respond to mm-hmm. uh, more than you or I might, and they tend to be black voices, and that's like what black exploitation ultimately gave the opportunity for at the mm-hmm. time, which is uh, you know. Uh, sad and fascinating and interesting. I think, too, with the exploitation genre, just as a blanket, all exploitation... um, Okay, one of my favorite movies is Boogie Nights. Yeah. Uh, My favorite movie is Boogie Nights. And one of the things that I liked about Boogie Nights is that it it brought into my understanding this really interesting idea about porn. Back in the day, you couldn't just say, this is a fuck film. You would say, this is a film with a story, and there's also adult entertainment in it, because it had to play at a theater. There's before home video. It had to sell at the theater. And so there was a... I don't want to say it was a lie, but it was sort of a lie, mm-hmm. um, where they're just saying, oh, no, 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 this is a classy, good picture. This is a legitimate picture. film. It's a lie that Burt Reynolds is telling himself throughout mm-hmm. the movie, that he believes he's making art. Mm-hmm. Video, at the end of the movie, threatens to take that away, right. because it points porn towards to, I haven't seen a pizza guy come in with the wrong amount of change and get fucked in decades. Yeah. But if I type in just, like, woman pisses on dog, <laughs> a million hits. <laughs> I don't know why it was the first thing yeah. that popped up. A million hits, because it's just, that's what's there. The dog doesn't have to deliver a pizza. He's yeah. just got to show up, get pissed on, and in three <laughs> minutes, you're out. You know, It's a different thing. And yeah. so exploitation as as a genre was, like, there would be stories hiding behind the idea of just like, yo, we can just throw some titties and blood in here mm-hmm. and people are going to show up for that. Yeah. And then we can kind of put some sort of message in it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's sort of the reverse of what I was saying about the porn. But I, I like that idea where it's like 
you know, with porn, it was we're gonna throw a movie into it to get you guys some fucking. Yeah. This is the kind of thing. It's like we're gonna throw we're gonna throw in stuff that's broadly entertaining to everybody. Yeah. Fucking blood, karate, yeah. and you know, like those are yep. big things. Every exploitation movie is post Bruce Lee karate yes. goodness, yep. and it's usually by people who have never done karate oh, no. until the moment they called oh, action. No. And but these things appeal to a wide audience, and you throw your voice on it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. It's I it. It's That's a, where like a Get Out works for me because it's like you made a great horror movie yeah. first, yeah, and that lessons come through. Whereas Hidden Figures is like you made a message and then built a, a NASA facility around it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you made. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm all in, okay, but yeah. I, I like that. And so exploitation does that. Black exploitation goes a step further and is like, okay, yeah, okay. Everybody loves you know guns and titties and karate, yeah. but uh. Our culture also loves seeing ourselves portrayed in power positions yeah. as opposed to subservient. Yep. Boom, throw that in there. It's yep. like I think in that sense of the term exploitative mm-hmm. uh, is where they really come into, you know, that that's sort of a subgenre to this genre. It's really interesting. Like I, I, I've been watching all these um, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, and it's like very interesting to hear him talk about those movies because mm. that's so he was making exploitation movies. Are you basically. done with those yet? I'm very I feel like close. I've read a hundred of them. I'm very <laughs> They're close. all great. I, yeah. They're all great. I'm so close. Uh, Wizard of Gore is next, actually. Oh, That's right the on. one I'm like super hyped to to see. Nice. I, th- I think probably like this week I'm going to check that out and, and get an article out about it. Nice. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting is listening to him talk about those movies. The set I have, he does like an introduction to each movie on it, mm. and he basically just talks about like, yeah, somebody gave me ten thousand dollars and was like, make a movie with that. And I was like, what do you want? Like, what kind of movie do you need made? And they were like, uh, maybe like a southern. Okay, I'll write a Done. script. I'll write a script about the South. Take your ten thousand dollars, make a movie about it. It's exploitation. That's what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. just they're being handed some money and being told like do this particular yeah. thing with make it. Make something that sells. Yep. Go. That's it. That's all they want. And and he talks about that a lot. It's just like I just had to make something that I knew a theater would buy. That's it. One of these days, there's going to be like a like a Sharknado ish movie that actually has like a potent message behind yeah. it. Yeah, and it's going to fuck everything. It's going to. Ha- I know because I don't like those movies because no. they're just like purposefully bad. And like they're fine. I, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, my niece loves them, so I've yep. seen all the Sharknados, and we have a blast yeah. watching them. I'll, I'll never forget and those I moments. get the inclination to make a movie like that, right? Because oh, absolutely. they are being told, here's $5,000, make me a whole movie. Put some butts in seats, And yeah. they know that they're not going to make a good movie with $5,000, so they're like, let's lean into it. Let's mm. you know, let's lean into that. But where something like Dolomite's different is that they know they're not going to make a good movie, but they try to anyway, Yes. while still including all of the exploitative elements yep. that will put asses in seats. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's all they have to do is sell a ticket at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If they can also put some subversive commentary about the way the man keeps black people down, all the better. Do it. That's great, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think that's what you know. That that is why I find these interesting. Is, is watching a bunch of artists from uh, uh, an even more tumultuous, complicated time uh, get to actually like tell their stories, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that that is so interesting to me. Uh, we still talk about representation in every, oh, in yeah. literally every episode of our show. Yep, and it is it's just so painfully clear how important it is, yeah. and how and I always say this: adding more diversity to any sort of uh, just broadcast uh, medium, it's literally good for everybody yes. and bad for nobody. Yeah, there's there's nothing. There's that, no downside. There's to that. no downside. Yeah, and it's like. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and so, Dolomite is just a great, uh, what's the word, artifact of yes. the early stages of that. Absolutely. And and by the way, I'd like so to talk about Dolomite. Like, yeah, I, let's talk about the movie. I really liked this movie. It's so much fun. It's really fun. 
uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that in 2018 is like eh, pulling your collar a little bit, but that's yeah, to that's be expected from exploitation. Um, I I think that um, you know, R R Moore, I believe as he's referred to in the credits, uh, is fucking like. I get why this guy had a whole career of making movies like this. He is such a watchable presence on screen. Mm-hmm. He's like, he he is like the Samuel Jackson of his time. You know, he's like he he is so exciting and charismatic and weird he's and so weird. Yeah, like just very un very unique character. And 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 as somebody who you know again like probably my first experience with black exploitation was Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to have seen a movie that is quote unquote a parody of these kinds of movies, and then see these kinds of movies and be like, it's like barely a parody. It's barely just a parody. Doing yeah. what these movies were already doing, uh, you can very much see where the Black Dynamite character comes from. Mm-hmm. Watching Dolomite. Oh, uh, you know. Dolomite does all these weird like sort of ticks that I don't know if they come from an untrained actor trying to act. I, I don't know what his training's like, if he has any. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I'm, I'm being assumptive in saying that he doesn't, but I imagine it's minimal. Yeah. Um, but, like, him doing, you know, a, there's just certain, like, postulating that he does uh-huh. that clearly is just, they just put a camera on him and they were like, just get something out, you know, oh, do yeah. this kind of a thing. Um, I, I don't know where I'm going with it. It's just, well, it, he, it's such an atypical performance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's what separates him from the rest of the people in the movie. Mm-hmm. And in a way that they all have deference towards him is like, he is a little weird. He is a little mysterious. Yeah. He's Dolomite. Yeah. Well, he also like he he has these very particular like physical tics that mm. I, I think you're trying to get at. Like, yeah, he looks like he's doing a bit and yeah. joking, but they're so naturalistic because he's not doing a bit. Yeah. This is how, I think that's what I sort of because in Black Dynamite, he'll do these certain affectations like, OK, Michael J. White is doing a thing. Yeah. And he's just aping what this guy does naturally. Naturally, yeah. exactly. Like when he gets very intense, he, he will shout random parts of the sentences, mm-hmm. and he'll also like flex his neck muscles in weird <laughs> ways while he does it. His head bobs. Yeah, he has floating and, head. Yeah, and yeah. that's very much like what Michael Jai White is doing a, as Black Dynamite. He's like choosing these very specific times in lines to sort of like flex his muscles and move his head and, mm-hmm. and emphasize his neck certain is words. Crazy, yeah. yeah, it's it's very interesting that like he looked at like very particular parts of R. R. Moore's performance, yeah. you know, and, and chose those to imbue into the character of of Black Dynamite. Uh, so anyway, it was just like interesting to watch this movie and be like, man, so much of Black Dynamite is just this movie. Like mm-hmm. he's he's barely heightened. But yeah, yeah. The only thing that's heightened about Black Dynamite is the content of the script yeah. has more verbal punnery and stuff. Yes. Yep. Whereas this, the humor comes from uh, what's the word? How like it's it's his <laughs> delivery like, space and Well, what's the, I wrote down the one line. Yeah. Tell Willie Green he has 24 hours to get out, and 23 of them are already gone. That is <laughs> so good. So good. And it's delivered with the same panache and lack of panache that uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who yes. carries the same first name, R.R., R. Yeah. Uh, says with the, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I am all out of bubblegum. Yep. He has no charisma saying that, yep. and it's it's better for it. Yeah. And like this is one he has kind of charisma oh, saying yeah. it but it's one of the few lines that he's like definitely reading a script uh-huh. and not just being permitted to exist in front of a camera yep. so uh, it's he's the best there's <laughs> a whole scene in this movie 
where he shows up at a parking lot and there's a whole bunch of guys there. And the first thing he does is he thanks them for showing thanks up. Thanks for coming. He's like, thanks for coming. Thanks for meeting me here. Good I've to been s- out of jail for a day and I've killed four people yeah. and sucked 12 titties. And I believe he literally says, like, I just got out of jail. It's great to see everybody again. Thanks for meeting me here. Thanks. For- so you think, like, this is like a big meeting. He's called all these people to, or maybe these are just different guys that, like, helped him out in the past. They, you they, think they, he's they... going to set up the plan to get yeah. the streets cleaned up, as is his mission. And instead, he tells the story of the Titanic <laughs> from the perspective of one of the guys that worked below Shines. Yeah. Shines, the man who works below, below deck. Below deck. And it's like... And it goes on for four minutes. It was long. It's a really long story. We started doing something else. We yeah. were we were chatting and then came back. We're like, oh, it's still going. Oh, he's still telling the story Because he's not saying anything of importance nope. or he's just and i think because i don't really know the history of hip-hop no, too much yeah but i'm pretty sure that rap as we understand it sort of came about in the 80s yeah. and what he's doing seems to be a precursor to yeah. rap a precursor to freestyling so it's him and his, his friends are hanging out and he just tells a story where it's just he tells one line like this and then he tells another line like yep. this and they kind of rhyme and yep. it's clear that he's making it up yep. but so long as it's lyrically sound and clever enough it gets this explosive response, Huge and reaction. it's fantastically entertaining. It was really fun to watch. I couldn't do it. I no. certainly couldn't do it. Oh no! And and it. Ver- I was drinking whiskey by this table because I wanted to be unable to feel my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> to, you know, I don't but know. So you I can't, can't even do the up and down. Can't of do like the up the and down songy because you're trying to create the word. Like I'm he's thinking about yeah. it too much, yeah. and it seems pretty clear to me that he is just improvising what's mm-hmm. happening there. Like he's that. It seems like I think that's uh, why it went so long. Yeah. Is because it got to the point where they were like, just keep rolling the yeah, camera until go. he's done, and yeah. it was just so engaging. I just think it's so funny that that scene starts with him calling a meeting. Yeah, and then the meeting is just for him to like do a performance, Let's do some for riff, riff a little yeah, bit, yeah. all dressed as a PBJ. And then everybody like thanks him for like you know they're like so excited to see him give that performance, and they thank him for giving the performance. They're all passing around like a bottle, yeah. and like just chilling out, enjoying yeah. this show. And then later we find out that he has a nightclub where that was what he was known to do. Yes. They would have dancers come out on stage and perform, and then he'd come out behind them and do a little story yeah. that rhymes a little story. You know, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so ridiculous. But I would go to that nightclub I would straight up go. twice a week. Yeah, hell yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, his suits have the biggest collars. That's another important thing to uh, uh, get out here about mm. this movie. They have the biggest collars. They're crazy colors. One of them, I mean, they're all big 70s collars, yeah. but his are like... If there was a 70s in the 70s yes. that had its own collars, yes. it's like big, like, basically if the Bee Gees were black, yeah. it's like that type of fashion. I, it's I, insane. I've worn entire outfits that have less fabric than one <laughs> collar color, on his... One, one lapel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you said it best. What did you call it? Oh, uh, <laughs> wait, what did I say? So he's wearing a red shirt with a collar that is the size of my arm. Oh, yeah. And his blue Mario overalls. Uh-huh. And and he the looked, collar just looked crazy. And yeah. you said... Uh, he's wearing a Spawn costume yes. underneath overalls. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Spawn played by Michael, Michael J. J. White. Yeah. Black Dynamite. Uh, and now to be Jamie Foxx, Jamie I believe. Fox. That's right. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. Too. I'm into that. Yeah, that'll be cool. I, I just don't know if I'm into Spawn. I don't really give a fuck about Spawn. And Todd McFarlane is directing that movie. The guy that created Spawn. I'm into it. Yeah, he seems like a, a pretty weird dude. He's an <laughs> interesting creative type for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Maybe he's made movies before, and I just don't know it. But I, I don't. I think he's been like script credited yeah, a couple times. Yeah, but he's made like the animations. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. I'm, I'm sure he knows how to storyboard. But yeah, so we'll I'm very that. curious to see how that turns out. But yeah, he has that. There's one suit that has the color palette of a PB and J. Yes, it was another like, one of a cheese Ritz cracker yep. sandwich, and they're just the gaudiest, craziest oh, yeah. things. But 
it also that's another thing where this is a culture that I'm an outsider to. Yeah. And so when I see it, I immediately think like a pimp. Yeah. But as I understand it, the pimp mentality is like, no, this is fucking class. This right. is high class. It's also the seventies where everybody had a little yeah, bit I of Yeah, I mean that. everybody in frame. So it is looks wearing so crazy like gaudy, but with the understanding, I'm looking at it, I'm going, This guy is cool as oh, yeah. fuck. That's the thing, is like the the uh I like I don't even read that as like cheesy or, or goofy. Mm. It's I, not meant to be cheesy yeah, or goofy. There was in a, the zone, it is He's he's pimping. Yeah, it's uh, there might have been a, a time when I was younger that I you know I would look at something like that and think it was funny, mm. but I, it it I, he looks badass in these. That's the thing is like the collars are enormous enough that I laugh. It's at a them, power move, but it's, it's he's yeah. meant to look like no, I'm in charge. I'm oh, the one yeah. with the hat. I'm the one. I went and to he makes place. those suits work. He's oh, he got makes so work. much swagger in those suits. He pulls the that waistband all the way up to his eyebrows and gets to work. Holy God, the <laughs> highest waisted pants I've ever seen in Which, my life. Which presumably this movie. we stumbled across yes. a uh, a theory. It's for better karate. It's for better karate. I assume. If you're hiked up, you don't get the crotch tautness that comes with high kicking. That's got to be. And there it. is so much high kicking. So much high kicking. So much high kicking. Look, none of the choreography is good in this movie, like at all. It doesn't look like anyone knows how to kick. But I'm I'm not as flexible as any of the people in this movie. Mm-hmm. That their kicks don't look good. Like I have a like, second you know, degree black belt, yeah. and I cannot kick like that. Oh my god! Now, granted, it's been 20 years since yeah. I did an ounce of karate. Well, but the still. thing is, your form would be way better than the form, and yeah, yeah, these yeah, people yeah. are kicking with my flexibility. But holy is not god! Happening. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. They, like everybody that kicks in this movie, including R.R. Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's got a crazy high kick. Oh, the, he's more of a, and now I'm doing a visual thing in yeah. an audio medium. Yeah. But he's more of the the back swat fist yes, for sure, like that kind yeah. of thing. Because he'll do, and that's that's kind of a Bruce Lee thing, and yeah. it's a great filmmaking thing because you get the back swat. Uh, the you know, uh, so if my stomach is facing the camera. And I get the my right hand is going backwards across someone's face. Yeah. They get to exit out of the back yep. right of the screen while I have this big chest flex for the <laughs> camera that's like, ah! yeah. And in exploitation films, there's this great move where they play that tight and then you do the hyper fast out zoom yep. to reveal the whole thing. That that for my money is how you hyper cut out minimal choreography. Yes. Not with more shots, Agreed. but with a create like that hides the choreography, but is so uh, what it speaks the cinematic language in a way that I I don't feel like I don't know where to look or that I missed anything. Yep. Whereas like a hypercut scene that's hiding choreography, I mean that doubly pisses me off just because one I don't know where to look and two it's clear that there actually is go- good choreography. Yeah. But so it goes. Yeah. But yeah, I love the way that that kind of stuff is shot and as as a notch in Rudy Ray Moore's Rudy Ray Moore's uh, George R R Martin's uh, his new name is George Rudy Ray Martin. It's official. Uh, you know, in in his bag of of tricks that make him such an engaging persona, one of them is that he clearly knows how to be framed by the camera yeah. for that kind of thing. Oh yeah, you know that is a combination of him and the director uh, Derville. Oh yeah, <laughs> what was Durville? his name? What was his last name? Derville. Oh, I opened IMDb and the only thing that was up was Mission Impossible. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I'm looking at too. Uh, Derville Martin. Yeah, Derville Martin. That's it. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up too, I uh, like <laughs> Derville Martin was uh, he's in a bunch of stuff like Rosemary's Baby. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, he plays a character in that. Let's see what else he directed. Oh, he only did Dolomite and Disco Nine Thousand. <laughs> Whoa, That's Disco Nine Thousand. But he's in everything. Crazy. Wow. Oh, right on. Maybe that's how uh, him and Moore know each other, right? Like maybe they acted in some things and could be. Yeah, got got the money to put this together. He was on the monkeys. He played the champ. 
because I think Moore helped write this. Do I remember that correctly? The writer is Jerry Jones, who's also in it. He plays Blakely. Okay. And Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was like super funny is that the that's his that's his IMDb. That's the picture that, that comes makes up. sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the things that I thought was very funny is you know it, it's eventually revealed that this white governor character is kind of been pulling the strings of, mm. of everything that's been happening in this community. Uh, but the black FBI man has been cleaning it out from right. the inside, that's baby. Right. Uh, Boom. Yeah, I love his reveal that he works for the FBI at you the end. You mean to tell me marginalized people in positions of power is a good idea? I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it. <laughs> but I loved that towards the end, you know, we're, we eventually get uh, we get wind of the governor's nefarious plan and that he's the one pulling mm. the strings. And we eventually get the scene where he gets like uh, a very strenuous phone call while he's in bed with his wife <laughs> so then we have this whole scene where he's totally naked and has this awful fat white dad body oh, uh and so he's gross. just barely got a towel covering his dick oh and my god it's the just, lengths that they went to oh, for him to cover his dick yeah which they be... didn't even fully achieve no like, no there was there was some side dick in yeah. there there was a little bit of ball cleavage but i love the idea that they that the one white character and he's not the one white character in this movie but the one major white character with a bunch of power is just totally demeaned by the way and they that is shoot that is him. high pike by the way of blade runner fame he was oh. taffy lewis he's just one of those dudes he that's was totally in, like, i know exactly what you're talking about yeah he's in uh i didn't yeah. even recognize him within the movie but i now i totally that's know him, you mean. yeah yeah he's just one of those like hollywood high uh yep but I love that they just frame him in such an embarrassing way. Yeah. That the, oh, yeah. That the, the guy who represents the man, the, the white He's guy with all the power. He's completely pathetic. Yeah, totally yeah. pathetic, emasculated. He's not deserving of the power that he has. Yeah. Yep. Whereas like a Dolomite, ethical concerns aside, yes. seems to be someone who manages power with responsibility, yes. which I think is the core of every social justice related yep. question that we have. Um, you know, just issues from race to gender to... Yep. Anything really is it all comes down to just those with power, how do you wield it responsibly? Yes. And it is the toughest question to answer. Yeah. I just I love that this movie is like that's uh, it's another kind of favorite thing about black exploitation is just you give a you let a bunch of black people have their own voice, like they're we're gonna get a bunch of different kinds of representation. It doesn't mm. just mean they get represented on screen. It means we get represented differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting, too. And it's important. Yeah. I remember... Actually, here's another one. A, a great story from my youth as a, as a kid. Yeah. And I always throw my poor father under the bus. He's a... Uh, he's a... Uh, an old-fashioned man. Yeah. But we were watching Family Matters once, and... Eddie's friend was that was a troublemaker yep. was a white kid. Okay. And I thought it was funny because even when I was a little kid, I called kind of bullshit on it. My dad was like, oh, of course the white kid's the bad guy. <laughs> and I was like, I, I honestly think this is the only time I've seen that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I, and I don't see a problem with it because like until you said something, I just thought he was a bad kid. Right. I, I didn't think about that. Yes. You know, and you know, that kind of stuff is learned, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But um, and I love you, Dad. Don't don't get me <laughs> wrong. I, I don't mean it, but these are lessons. Yeah. And um, and, and it's just funny where it's like even just the switcheroo of that yep. can feel like oppression to someone who doesn't feel it. Yes. And the argument is that, honestly, that kind of stuff is good because you just kind of need to have that window for once. Absolutely. We talked about it with Wonder Woman when Chris when Chris Pine is made to look like a naked idiot, a hunky naked idiot, but, but <laughs> yes. a naked idiot. And uh, it's just one of those things where... You know, the jerks who who didn't want like the all female screenings, rah, my yeah, penis hurts. Yeah. We're like, <laughs> you know, as as soon as they saw that, but it was just one of those things where it's like, no, that's like, 
it's actually nothing. Yeah. And also, like you have you've seen this before, it just looked different. Yeah. <laughs> like you've seen this a million times. Yeah. And it's you now and now it's a problem. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so I feel like we're probably somewhat unqualified to talk about Dolomite, but I feel like we had a pretty good conversation about so Dolomite. Too. The 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 thing about Dolomite is that it's the type of movie that could easily be dismissed as a goofy artifact from back in the day. Yeah. When if you actually consider the context of when it came out yes. and you play it next to the context of how we consume culture now and yep. and just how we uh, push for different creatives and culture, it becomes very relevant. Yeah. Add to and that the fact that it comes out of a very important era in filmmaking. Yeah. The in the heart of new Hollywood spawned this outside of studio idea that was like, no, anyone can make a movie yep. given the resources. That's more the case now, but that was the first time it happened. Absolutely. Like, if you weren't Paramount or MGM, you weren't yeah. making a movie. And then they make Easy Rider, and it's like, oh shit, anyone can make a movie if yep. they have access. Shave off a little bit of budget, and suddenly anyone can make a movie. Yep. And then exploitation is born. Subset mm-hmm. of that, black exploitation is born. This is important stuff. Yes. Whether it ends up being entertaining to you or not, but I submit that it'll probably be it's, very entertaining I, to you. I had a blast watching yeah, this movie. Yeah, Dolomite's like, cool. I, I really liked this movie. And it's a good party movie. Like yes. We had a good time like having fun we with just, it, yeah, which yeah. I think speaks to, we always talk about the way different folks behave in yes. movie theaters. And what pisses me off when people yell back at the screen is that I can't enjoy that. Yeah. And yes, it is upsetting because that's not what you should do. But I wish I could enjoy that yeah. because it seems like fun. And this movie seems to invite that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, that's cool shit. I, yeah, I really enjoyed That was this, right to like, say, right? Did that sound right? No, I, I think you did. Awful. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. Um, uh, and I, you know, um, I, I just like. I, I thought this movie was like a blast. Like this is the mm. kind of thing that I would invite a bunch of people over to be like, we should fucking watch Dolomite. It's like, cool. This will be fun. And there's uh, some cool filmmaking in there. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the things about having no budget and and literally lighting scenes with clearly a mirror reflecting the it sun. It was like a lot of natural lighting. A couple of those, and you could tell they were just pointing a mirror, which yep. th- that is done even nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to do it, but like that was the only way they had to do it. Yep. And as we always talk about, limitations often make these great leaps in creativity, mm-hmm. and you see that here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Dolomite is uh, available through what's the service again? If, if people want to, it's, no, it's just it's going to be on video on demand. Okay, so meaning it coming. is now yeah. digital, yeah. but it's happening as uh, as a part of Xenon Pictures, right? Yes, so Xenon Pictures, uncorked, right? Um, yeah, and uncorked, which is uncork apostrophe D, mm-hmm. which uh, well, we've got a bunch of screeners from them. Yeah. They do like a lot of mid budget horror, mm-hmm. a lot of which is pretty cool. So yeah. uh, you know. And so uh, this is uh, just one line from the press email that we have. Dolomite is referred to as, quote-unquote, the Citizen Kane of Kung Fu Pimpin' Movies. (laughs) And I cannot think of anything more appropriate. That's a pretty good description. Uh, So in honor of Dolomite, uh, for this week's episode, Dan and I were talking about we wanted to do some sort of exploitation list. Neither of us felt very qualified to do a black exploitation list. I don't think I've seen enough black exploitation mm. to really like make a list of my, my top five and feel confident in it or about it. Uh, so we decided to go a little more generally exploitation for our lists. And what we ended up landing on was Dan and I are big fans of Exhumed Films, who are a group here in Philly that screen a lot of um, basically 35-millimeter prints of, uh, of uh, older sometimes movies. sometimes 16. Generally. Sometimes 16. Um, they tend to be on the side of... Um, 
what I like to call trash cinema, but that's not necessarily the uh, the the appropriate it's exploitation term for it. cinema. Exploitation there is trash cinema there. usually. Yeah, we had Sli- Slime City as a trash yep. picture. Yep. And it was a blast. It was so good. Uh, Pink flamingos was in there. That is yes. That is a proud trash picture. Yes. So you know. Uh, and uh, so they do an exploitation fest everywhere that Dan and I go to. They do some other screenings throughout the year that tend to be exploitation movies. Uh, so we decided to go very specific. We're going to do our top five movies that we've seen at exhumed events. Our top five mm-hmm. exhumed films. Uh, which are all exploitation films, so they they fall right into the uh, sort of you know um, dolomite genre here. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Do you want to yeah, kick it off? You my qualifier off? for what defined an exploitation film, because I've seen a lot of things with yeah. Exhumed, and uh, for the most part, it's either exploitation or horror. But yeah. oftentimes you'll see something like Starman, yes, or Escape from New York, and all that. Mm-hmm. And those aren't. I mean, I wouldn't say Starman's exploitation, but like Escape right. from New York could sort of get there. Mm-hmm. But like, I left that kind of stuff out or yep. the blob out, and I was looking for more stuff that I wouldn't be able to see other places, Agreed. and therefore feel more in tune. So went the same. Direction. My list has a western. Yeah. It has a kung fu, yep. but it also has kung fu pimping in it. So it's that kind of a I thing. I thought about putting Pink Flamingos on my list, but to give mm-hmm. an example of where I limited myself, I left it off because that is available. Like, that is available. People it's universally can watch available. Pink Flamingos. Yeah. People know Pink Flamingos. I, I went for some things that are, are less available, maybe less known. Mm-hmm. Try and, you know, shout them out. I went for things that, to me, just internally felt more in tune with something like Dolomite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start. Yes, uh, enough. I picked, we might have some crossover. I think there's probably going to be some crossover. I picked Bare Knuckles. I did not. So, so Bare Knuckles. Which one was Bare Knuckles? So Bare Knuckles was the one where a guy seduced a woman with a box of Pizza Hut pizza. Whoa, I fucking forgot that movie Remember existed. Remember that movie? Yes. Oh, shit. That oh, movie was bonkers. It's crazy. Bonkers. Yeah, it's like a really weird, uh, uh, you know, exploitation cop drama, I would call it to some extent. It's like a, a kung fu cop movie where a bunch of white cops do kung fu with each other. Uh, and it has this amazing scene that Dan and I couldn't stop talking about after we saw it where a man uh, leaves a pizza hut where... A, yes. With where, that hero. Yeah. Apparently in the 70s, you could get pizza in a bag. That's one of the big things <laughs> I remember is the pizza hut pizza came in a bag. It did not come in a box. He exits a pizza hut with a bag full of pizza. And a woman across the parking lot sees him with his bag full of pizza. They make eyes at each other and realize, oh, we're probably going to have sex in like 10 minutes. They then approach a car. He throws the pizza on the hood of the car. And then they just look at each other like wantingly while they eat pizza together. (laughs) He literally seduces a woman with a bag of pizza from across a parking lot. You want to seduce this guy right here? There's no better way to do it than with pizza. I Let say see bare knuckles for the pizza seduction alone. It's it's a it, it's a pretty he fun was a, movie. He otherwise. was a jeans hero too. Yes. Like kicking, oh yeah. kicking in jeans. Yep. I, if I remember correctly, I believe he did some sort of workout using his belt. That sounds right. He's yeah. got a real dumb mustache. Yeah, real dumb mustache. Yeah, a perm, I think. His name is. Uh, oh, I just had it. The star's name is Robert Vaharo. Yeah. And uh, still kicking. Most usually, when you look in in the exploitation uh, casts, and they didn't make list, it out of the eighties. Very few people make yeah. it past forty five. Yeah, but for actually, so nineteen forty two, bare knuckles was nineteen seventy seven. Okay, so he was uh, he was thirty five. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, that's about right. Bare knuckles is cool. I liked bare knuckles a lot. I thought it was really fun. Was this? No, no, Zebra Killer was the one that had that that cigarette line that I was talking yes, about. Yes, yeah. But yeah. I will say that it is funny. I'm scrolling through the cast list, and uh, the lead black character played by John Daniels, his name is Black. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 
They, it, it is literally one of those like black and white movies. Like, yeah. You know, a black dude and a white dude team up. And yeah, Robert Varro plays Zachary Kane. Zachary Kane. Zachary Kane. Yeah. Wow. Um, that movie ruled. I totally it was really forgot fun. about that. Yeah. I, I will never forget that pizza seduction. That's like the That's funniest bonkers. thing I've ever seen. Totally yeah. bonkers. Yeah. Love it. What you I, got? My number five uh, was the first film that they played at X-Fest one year called Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Whoa, um, I do not know this. It had a different title when we saw it there. I think okay. it was called like Eagle versus Snake. It is a Jackie Chan movie oh, when yeah. he's a, a small child. No, he's not a small no, child. No, now I know what you're talking about. This is one of his very early movies. To what year was this? 1978. So he was 24 in this yeah. movie. And it's directed by, he's credited here as Wu Ping Yuen or Yuen Wu Ping. Oh, yeah. He's that guy who did the choreography and everything that yep. came out after uh, The Matrix yep. and uh, Crouching Tiger and all that. But he directed this. He directed this. this. Uh, he also directed he must have been the a Iron Monkey young movies. man at the time, right? I would say so, 1945. So, so yeah, like in his 30s? He was 33. Yeah. So he was my age. Yep. Motherfucker. Yep. Um, it was just a cool movie. It's not great, but the reason I put it on the list is because I would love to relate this wonderful exploitative thing about uh-huh. it. There is a scene where, metaphorically to the good guy and the bad guy, a actual cat and an actual snake go to battle. Oh, you've told me about this. And throughout the movie... Everyone regards this one cat as this one cat, but he's played definitely by multiple cats, which leads me to assume that chances are, because like in the scene where it fights the cat, like it's an actual cat, an actual snake fighting. Oh yeah. There was no humane society yeah. Yeah. in Hong Kong in 1975. was not a thing. <laughs> um, we all know about Milo and Otis yeah, and yeah, how yeah. that monstrously cute and awfully massacre of a movie uh-huh. was made. Um I'm pretty sure a cat was eaten by a snake oh, for this oh, movie, and oh. that's just we never see the actual eating of it. We yeah, just right. see them fight, and then we are told the cat wins, uh-huh. and then we are shown the cat that wins, and it's not that cat. <laughs> so, like, and just throughout the movie, like that cat's sometimes there and sometimes not. Yeah. They're shot out of order, yeah. but the fact that we needed multiple cats makes me Need think believe. that yeah, yeah, that snake ate that cat. Oh, but I'll tell you what, when the snake and the cat fight, it's like pretty great cinema. Oh, that sounds so, good. You know, there's no there's no way around that. I'm real into that. Uh, I'm trying to decide what I want to throw in here next. I think I'll throw. So I, I, I did you pick any from the recent uh, X Fest we went to? Uh, no. Okay, great. So I'm gonna put the girl from the Red Cabaret on my list. I have a different movie in that slot, but I think it might be on yours later. But we'll okay. see. This almost made my list. I, like I this really a lot. liked the girl with uh, from the Red Cabaret. It, it's a very weird movie. Uh, that doesn't entirely make sense, but it's really interesting. It's about like a a, um, a guy that's tracking down all these women, each from a different country, who have all basically slept with the same man, who he claims is a con artist that has conned all of them. Uh, and then he kind of interviews these women he's tracked down to use the information from them to create a perfect lure uh, to to choose a woman that would be the perfect lure for this guy that has been duping these women so he can get them and enact his revenge on him. Uh, it's a really fun, kind of bizarre movie uh, that I think has kind of interesting like sexual politics at play. Uh, but the thing that I loved about this movie the most, and I, I don't even know if this is what you would think about it, Dan, but I loved the cabaret scenes. Oh, the cabaret scenes the were so cool. The cabaret scenes are incredible in this movie. There's three of them, I think. You get to watch a full song and dance cabaret number in each one of them. And they're like really well shot. The songs are really excellent. The women that are performing them are great. 
not to mention that it is like a fun, good exploitation movie mm. around those things. That's a pretty good movie too. Yeah. Like they actually kind of explore some. There's some actually some sexual thematic weight yeah. that are really interesting. I think I was immediately reminded of one of my favorite scenes in Valerian. Oh yes, the crazy amorphous body morphing striptease that Rihanna does. Fucking love. Really that scene. cool stuff. Yeah. Definitely leans on things like Girl from the Red yeah, Cabaret. It's it's worth watching just for those cabaret scenes, I think. Mm. Not to mention that it's actually a pretty interesting, fun movie beyond that. That I that I do think actually has like interesting sexual politics and things to say oh, about yeah. that. And it has a whole bunch of scenes that remind me of Team America. Oh yes. Like just totally. be like, now nah, report back to base for dancing and yeah, cocktails. Yeah, so you know, like yeah. that kind of a thing. And tons of that. Oh yeah, we have a full bar on our plane. It's yeah. it's amazing. Check out the wood paneling uh-huh. in our plane. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's totally it's, that it's, kind it's, of yeah. exploitation movie. <laughs> so good. Yeah. That it, movie was real cool. I like that one a lot. All right, so my number four, I don't know if this was at an X-Fest or if this was at just one of those side events. Uh I think it was an X-Fest because I had never heard of it when it came up, but it's called The Mafu Cage. Oh, I don't know that one. Um, It's also called Don't Ring the Doorbell. Okay. But um, The Mafu Cage, um, this is the cover of it. Check that shit out. Whoa, that's real good. Stars Carol Kane. Oh. And um, it's, how should I put it? I don't want to say too much about it. It's, Carol Kane plays... uh, this kind of weird girl who's in care of her, her older sister takes care of her. Okay. Her father was an explorer who died. And so she has a pet ape. And uh, let me just read this thing to make sure I say this right. Cause I don't remember. He- yeah. She has this monster pet ape that sort of represents like an incestuous desire for her sister. Oh, um, but it's a crazy thing involving feeding people to this ape. Okay. But there's a lot of Carol Kane, who's a forever babe and who is awesome. Yep. Um, it's her acting across what is a costumed man dressed as what's supposed to be a real monkey. Oh, weird. And it's very weird. And it's a very strange movie. Yeah. Um, it was very high quality, which is what made it sort of stand out to me yeah. at, in an X-Fest setting. But I had never heard of it. I didn't know what to expect from it. But it's one of those, I don't want to call it slow burn because it is exploitative. Yeah, yeah. But it is this sort of thing that is meant to be like creepy dread. Yeah. It was, it was just a cool flick. Yeah, it was good. But what I thought is funny is that it was directed, it's directed by a woman, uh, Karen Arthur. Okay. And... uh it's based on a play. That's the other thing. It's okay. based on a play by Eric Westfall. I don't know who that is, but... Um, Me neither. Wait a minute. I'm about to have my mind blown, aren't I? Why, did you Don, just him up? No, Don Chastain wrote it, and is he looks a lot like that one dude from Rudy Ray, from uh, Dolomite, doesn't he? Wow, he really does. He looks like the one detective. We were, we were like, I kind of recognize him. Let's just real quick make yeah, sure... Yeah, I'm curious. Look, look, at, uh, look up the Dolomite cast and find that detective. Uh, what was his name? His name was like Richards or something. It was like a very standard white dude name. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what that character's uh, name he's was. In, he's in The Black Godfather, but he is not in... Okay, uh, okay. It's not him. Okay. Fair. But white man with chin. But, anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. but it's directed by Karen Arthur, and Karen Arthur uh, played a part on Get Smart. Oh. She was on... She directed a whole bunch of TV, like Cagney and Lacey and Remington oh, cool. Steel. But as I was scrolling through her filmography... I came across something that that uh, piqued my interest in terms of what she has directed. It's just one of those movies with two titles, and it has two amazing titles. A TV movie from 1985 that's called The Rape of Richard Beck, Whew. about a male sexual assault victim, uh-huh. and the fallout out of, of it. But if you ask someone else, it might just be called Deadly Justice. This starts Richard Krenna of yeah. Rambo Trilogy uh-huh. fame. So, uh, yeah. 
But uh, anyway, so funny. Mafu Cage was a really cool movie, and yeah. it's the kind of movie that it is directed by a woman, and I think you have that feel on it, yeah. and it has a nice touch as a result. Interesting. That's uh, that is one of my favorite exploitation uh, staples is that they all have three different names depending on where yeah. they were like were released. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Death Rides a Horse. Did that, that make yours? Almost made my list, but for my Western slot, I put something else. Okay. So I chose Death Rides a Horse, which is maybe one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. Uh, like that hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think that th- what is interesting about this movie is that I saw it in the context of an exploitation festival. It's absolutely an exploitation movie. It's also like actually one of the best western, like actually one of the better mm. westerns. I've you can seen. say best western. I'm I sorry, know. I ruined no, it. No, it's I'm okay. Sorry I blew it. it. But now my ears can't <laughs> unhear it. You know, uh, it, it just like it's so good. Uh, That's Lee Van Cleef, right? Yes. Yeah. Lee Van Cleef is amazing in he's this so movie. Hardcore. He's so watchable. Lee Van Cleef. He's oh god, he's good. He and, eats cigarettes for breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner. The thing that I thought was really interesting about this was I was uh, watching Kill Bill Volume One in the background the other day. Mm. It's on Netflix or Prime right now. One of my coworkers told me today that she watched Kill Bill Volume One for the first time Whoa. ever last night. It's like did it blow Did your she mind. Love it? She was like, "Yeah, it was really good." For a while, I was worried it was just going to stay a cartoon, but it was really good. It's like <laughs> valid, valid, yeah, go, totally, yeah, love it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff in Kill Bill that I think is directly from uh, um, Death Rides a Horse. Why wouldn't it be? I don't know if you remember, but the beginning of Death Rides a Horse is the the younger character as a kid mm. watching his family get murdered by the gang that he'll then grow up to try and get revenge on yeah right? yeah oh that was cool too I don't yeah know if you remember this but one of the things that they do during that sequence is every time he witnesses one of his family members die they do like an extreme close-up on his face and eyes and then overlay the death of his family member on t- like two images on yeah, top of each yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. which happens over and over and over again in kill bill volume one every time she flashes back to the massacre at the yeah, church yeah. it's <laughs> It's like a close-up on her eyes yeah. with like an overlay of the actual murders happening. It's like directly ripped out of that movie, which I, I love. That's like my favorite Tarantino thing is that he's yeah, just that like, is cool. here's the best idea from this movie I saw 20 years ago. I'm just going to take that one great idea and put it in my movie. And then my movie will be the amalgamation of 30 great ideas from 30 movies. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, they say good artists create, great artists steal. Love it. Love it. Yep. Uh, and this is, by the way, just actually a great movie. That's a good movie. That's yeah. a solid it's Western. It's really fun. Yeah. It's a really fun Western. When we were in that glut of Western, I say we as if I was alive at the time, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, when we, when, when, the, when the Royal We was yeah. in the glut of Westerns, there was, you know, it's the same thing as we see now with superhero movies. Some yeah. are good, some are bad, yep. but the good ones are great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, that's like. And I think this one's like an Italian. This is a spaghetti, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's an Italian made <laughs> one. Did you first learn that term spaghetti Western from whose line is it anyway? I have no idea, to okay. be honest. <laughs> that's where I first learned it because yeah. that was one of the styles they would always call oh, out okay. spaghetti western and then they'd have to do it in a thing yeah. and i never understood what spaghetti western yeah. meant until i found out later that many great westerns were italian productions westerns are like one of the only kinds <laughs> it's of almost offensive title oh it is it. oh paschettis yeah 100 no, is it's <laughs> the only reason i think i know that term is westerns are like the one genre of movie my dad really likes oh nice, uh, nice. so he's been into westerns like my whole life and i kind of remember him explaining like i think i remember asking him about spaghetti westerns when i was young mm-hmm. maybe because i heard it on whose lines anyway which i watched a bunch and i remember him explaining like, oh there were like the 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 italian countryside looks a bit like the american west so they made a bunch of american westerns 
in Italy, mm-hmm. thus Spaghetti Western. Paschettis. And I was too young at the time to realize that was a, a, a racist way to say that they came from Italy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, but it seems to be pretty accepted still now. made sense to me, yeah. So I got distracted, and you just put a thing in our group text saying that sorry to bother you is awesome. All caps, definitely go in blind if Ooh, you can. Will do. I'm going to go on Monday. I'm, I'm going to gouge to... my eyes out tonight. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right? Do yeah. it up. I hope I can make it till Monday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try. I, I think we can make it. Uh, yeah, I can do it without spoilers. Well, because I, I just have a wedding and a concert this weekend, but I'm off on Monday. So you'll be busy. So, so you won't be busy. able to read, read spoilers. This shit finds me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Death Rides a Horse. Love it. All right. This one is the one that I fear might be on your list, which is my number three. Me. Love Me Deadly. It is on my list. Let's right talk about on. it. Okay. Love Me Deadly is the charming story of a woman who just really desperately needs to fuck a dead body. Yep. But at the same time, she meets a good guy who might be good for her, but she's also got to please the dude who supplies her with bodies. She yep. also got to fuck a body, you know? Yep. She's just she's living an alternative lifestyle. She's got to get it done and try as she may. She just can't fuck a dead body. What the fuck? This is what I love about this <laughs> Movie, by the it's way, so good. <laughs> I, I, it is. It's like legitimately a good movie. They it, played this late too in Exhumed. It was like yep. second to last. It was one of those where you're like, "This is where it's gonna get real crazy." A dead body fucking movie. Yeah. And you watch like that was a poignant yes story about desire. That's the thing. <laughs> it was it's so like wild when you when you present the idea of this movie to anybody, they're immediately going to either laugh or or yeah. be like, like or be, be disgusted a crazy by fest, it. Yeah. You know, but it it is. Honest to God, a movie that legitimately tries to deal with necrophilia. Yep. It's a it is a movie about a woman that legitimately desires to have sex with a dead body and is struggling with that desire and is trying to figure out how to maneuver that how desire. How to live a normal life yes. despite wanting to fuck a dead body. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is like I really loved this. There's movie. like a madcap charm to it yes. too that plays in a way where you're like, okay, uh, did you ever see the movie Happiness? No, I haven't. I know what you're talking about. Okay, Phil Hap- Hoffman, right? Uh, yes, he's yeah. in it. Um, it's a really fucked up movie. Yes, and there is a madcap scene where a father of a family who mm-hmm. is definitely a pedophile mm-hmm. secretly is desperately trying to get some date rape drugs into a sandwich that he's making for the little boy that his son has over for a sleepover. Okay, okay. and that's fucking horrifying. Ho- horrifying. This scene is so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't I, I don't expect you to believe me yeah. and I do expect you to judge me for saying that. <laughs> My only thing is if you can stomach it see the movie you'll actually see how it's presented. Yes. This um it, not I, not to split hairs, but I guess necrophilia is slightly less uh, uh, okay. of a, of a crime just because it's pretty victimless, sure. I guess. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. still I'm not, I'm not into it. Yeah. But both movies reckon with the idea of this person doesn't want to do this, right. but this is their nature. Yeah. And so now we have to watch how they figure yeah. this out. And that is an interesting concept yes. and a valid concept and one that is worth thinking about. Being that this is an exploitation film, uh-huh. you can't just go, oh, well, you know, this guy, he likes dicks. So let's do it's okay. Yeah. You, that's that's not going to put asses in seats. But this chick likes to fuck dead bodies and has to try and carve normalcy and a life out of this. That's an interesting way to turn it into something exploitative. Yeah. Put a couple butts in seats and maybe get people to think about alternative desires. Yeah. Awesome. It's really, and by the way, it's like actually a really well-made movie. One of the things I remember about this movie is that a lot of um, the, um, like the, how do I want to say this? Like the emotional undercurrent of it, where you really do kind of understand this woman and, and what she's after and, and uh, why she's after it comes from visuals only. 
Mm-hmm. The, the movie does not do a lot of expositing about who she is, why she is, what she wants. It shows rather than tells. It's a window into her experience. Yeah. yeah. And that's like a remark. That's actually a remarkable thing. Like there are very few movies that uh, actively and successfully show rather than tell. Mm-hmm. And this movie does it almost the entire time. It, it, it's like actually a really good, like it's a very well-made movie that I, I, I think I is really lot. good and interesting. Yeah, I, I really like, it's a movie that's easy to joke about because it is an exploitation movie for sure. But it's like a legit, cool, good movie that I liked a lot. Uh, do you want to give another one since that was on both of our lists? I will say uh, the director of Love Me Deadly, Jacques Lacert. Oh? Uh-huh. Would you like to know what else he made? Sure. Literally nothing. It's the only thing that he ever made. <laughs> Writer, director, actor. And here's the thing. He he wrote it. He directed it. And he also played, look closely. What is his character name? Go ahead and say that out loud. Bearded Corpse. That's right. <laughs> they often talk about how directors will make a movie with a lovely female star just so that they get to make out with her on camera. <laughs> well, I guess Jacques Lassert was like, you know what? I want to do the same. I will play Bearded oh. Corpse. All right. So that was my number three. My number two. Okay. This was actually the first one that popped in my head. Yes. I forget if you were there for this. Did you see Death Promise? No, I don't know what Death Promise is. Okay. (laughs) Death Promise is about a... It's it's a white boy kung fu movie. Okay. So it's very... Why I like it is because it's very reminiscent of Brock Landers and Chest Rockwell, (laughs) where he's trying to be the Bruce Lee. They have the long Bruce Lee hair, the tight t-shirt and karate pants. Yeah, Yeah. that kind of a thing. Dance to Boogie Nights. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, the... uh, When am I not? And (laughs) so the lead guy, uh, Charles Bonet, who plays Charlie Roman... Um, Charlie Roman, that's a good name. Oh yeah, and he's like kind of a karate guy. He's in Roman. Black Dragon, Revenge, Way yeah. of the Black Dragon. Don't go in the house. Oh, um, what a great title! But this is a movie that he carries, and he plays a guy who feels that his community is being stepped on by ruthless landlords. Oh, and so he's got a karate him yeah. into compliance. So many it's karate so movies good. are about like housing situations. Oh yeah, are about like people coming to take away someone's home. It's perfect. Well, because yeah. like someone comes into your home. And you have the right, technically, to stand your ground and right. shoot him with a gun if you're a Floridian. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, you know, that so it goes. Yeah. But like karate, that's like everybody's dream is like, I don't need a gun because these hands are weapons. Yeah. You break into my house, into my temple, into my domain, well, then you will have to fear the fists of the dragon. You're in daddy's dojo now. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Daddy's got to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's my wife. Yeah. Boom. Into it. You know, just, and so. This is just one of those movies, but it very heavily leans into like the spiritualism of the karate. But he's yeah. also just like a coked out seventies white yes. guy. Yep. But everybody worships him because he is the spiritual guy. Yes. And so he's going to stand up to these landlords. But what I really like about it is the very last moment, spoiler alert, one of the bad guys, he like kicks him off a building and it is the most egregious use of a dummy. Oh, I love and it. And so the dummy falls in slow mo, bends a million different ragdoll physics ways, <laughs> and then the dude just to his friend is just like, You wanna get out? here yeah roll credits <laughs> it's like one of those much like dolomite tonight yes. where it was just him be like what are you gonna do dolomite roll credits where he sings about what he's about how he's, what he's gonna, gonna go do. back to africa yeah. and be free or something yeah, i can't that remember was, what he said it was something like that yeah. but yeah this is just one of those movies that you could tell it was just a bunch of fanboys had some money and they did it yeah and 
it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's good in the way What's exploitation is. Death Promise. Death Promise. That's a great title. But I think it title. also has like a million different names, just like oh, yeah. Apartment of Doom, uh-huh. Kar- Karate Flat. You know, uh-huh. I don't know, but Karate Flat. Death Promise was the one that we saw it under, yeah. and it just always stuck me as just being so purely entertaining and. Yeah. You know, because it was reminiscent of the visual, not reminiscent of, because Boogie Nights was reminiscent yes. of this sort of a visual motif of white boy trying to do Bruce Lee karate in yep. a Bruce Lee set is that I I love that. That yeah. speaks to me so much. The Bare Knuckles is very much that kind yes. of movie. It's yeah. so goofy because it's like it's the strangest co-opting of culture in the name of being badass mm-hmm. that almost comes across as a form of self-shame where it's like, I actually can't be badass on my own terms, so can I use your stuff? Like, yeah. that, You know what I'm saying? Oh. And it's just very funny to me, and none of the karate... And this guy is a karate guy, but mm-hmm. his, he ain't no UN po wing or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Death Promise. That was my Death number promise. two. That's pretty good. So my number one, I'm actually curious if Mayhaps it's also your number one. It might not be. I don't well, know. Also, Death Promise, the uh, director, his name is Robert Warmflesh. Oh, okay. So uh, my number one is a movie we saw called Swingers Massacre. Remember that movie? Make the list. Do remember. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is also known as Inside Amy. The reason I bring that up and I think is interesting is because Swingers Massacre uh, is a movie that was directed by a man. Inside Amy is a movie that was written by a woman. Uh, a woman wrote the script. A man directed it. Uh, as you can hear just from the titles, Inside Amy sounds like it could... I mean, there's you know a little bit of a pun going on there, but it sounds like it could be an interesting uh, movie about a, from a woman's perspective. Whereas Swinger's Massacre sounds like a VHS you would rent because <laughs> a bunch of people are going to have sex and die. People are going to fucking get murdered. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and Exploitation. It is, both of those movies. It is a a script uh, very much about gender politics in 1960s, 70s America uh, and the way women were kind of expected to be subservient to their husbands, uh, written by a woman. Uh, but it is then directed by a man who sees uh, the idea of uh, women wanting to rail against that subservience as a problem, mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes this very interesting, like, the script is working against the direction, is working against the script. I love in, that. like, such a fascinating way. It, it is one of the most entertaining movies I saw at any uh, uh, Exhumed event, and one of the smartest. That was the same... It's year as Love Me Deadly. Deadly. Yeah, because yeah. I remember those being like... We had them back to back. So, yeah, they were back. I think it was Lovely, Love Me Deadly and then and that. And then that. That's a good it. double feature. It's a really yeah. good double feature. Uh, Swingers Massacre is great. I like really liked that movie a lot. I think it has very interesting things to say about gender politics of its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it addresses them in both like very legit ways because the script was written by a woman who is trying to come at this from a woman's perspective. But it's directed by a man who's putting his own spin on it through the visuals that just make it fascinating. It's mm-hmm. you are literally watching the battle of the sexes, at, like in the making of this movie. It's amazing how that kind of works too. Yeah. Where it's like, because there's a lot of people who either write and or direct a movie and then don't want to see it afterwards right. because you know it takes on new life. I, I remember when I, I saw an interview with Trey Parker after they oh, yeah. did Book of Mormon when yeah. it was about to kind of go into stage syndication. Yes. And he was like, well, you know, he's like, everyone's going to do it different. And it's one of those where it's like a kid. You raise it and then you just put it out there and hope that they do it right. Yeah. And it's just funny to think that she did that with the script, finished yep. it, and was like, I just got to hope for the best. Yeah. And he took it and saw it his way. Yes. And 
uh, to speak to the strength of the script, the fact that you can see both you of those totally happening see both shows of how strong of a script yeah. and a point of view that it would be. But it is kind of interesting how that can almost uh, the juxtaposition can highlight the you know what each brings to the table. Like yeah, that. it's it's a fascinating movie, and I, I and I fucking loved it. Like I really liked that this was movie a cool a movie. It's like you know it is barely a softcore porn. Yeah, there's, you know there's like but it's exploitation. It has yes. to be. Yep, yep. you got to have that. Yeah, uh, man, is it good? I re- like I legit really like that. That's the kind of movie that I wish I was still 20 and in college and could write like a paper on. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know that you could still just write a that's paper. That's true. Yeah, that's right. We are published I writers. I write for a, a movie For blog. a handful of websites yeah, yeah. that would gladly publish yeah. that. So Yeah, you're right. I should rewatch this and do oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That can be done. Yeah. And what better time than now? Yeah. What better place than here? Yes. What better time than... Sorry, I'm doing Rage Against the Machine. Dan, what's your number one? My number one. And this is a movie that when it started, I was like... I. I used to not really, I don't want to say not really care for Westerns, but the same way that I am now with like animated movies where it's just like, I've seen plenty that are good. They're always good. But if I miss it, whatever, I don't care. Incredibles 2 is awesome. (laughs) Um, But it's just one of those, if I didn't see Incredibles 2 in the theater, it probably would, it would be another 10 years before I see it. I'd watch it in getting ready for Incredibles 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm pushing 40. And um, (laughs) so... Westerns, I've seen some great ones. I've seen some really, really bad ones. And so it's the same kind of thing where I I think I always approach them with the, "Ah, I get what you're putting there. I I know what you're doing. I'm going to see it and whatever. And I've come to really love the form because I think that there's a lot of interest. Damsel was a great use of how this tried and true formula can be subverted. Um, 310 to Yuma with a great Ben Foster performance. I gotta see that. I haven't seen that yet. It has a weird, I believe it's James Mangold. It is. It has a weird turn where like I don't buy a character turn. Okay. But it's a really cool use of that format. Yeah. So enter this movie that I saw at one of the, I don't know if it was an X-Fest or if it was just like one of their four movie ones. Yeah. Face to Face. Spaghetti Western. Yeah. And the reason I bring up 310 to Yuma and the character turn is that this is a movie which first off, check out this title card for face to face. Oh, that's good. Love Hardcore. it. I feel like I've even seen that before. Yeah, it's it's good, good shit. And so it is, let me get the plot thing here. Yeah, so it's a history professor and an infa- infamous outlaw kind of come at odds with one another. Okay. But one's good and one's bad. Yeah. And by the end, that flip-flops. Okay. But it is an extremely well-earned character turn for yeah. both of them. So when it happens and you're now rooting, you know, the other way than you were for the whole movie, yeah. it it's it's just really well done. Oh, that's cool. And this is, that sounds great. It's a really good... This one I highly recommend. This yeah. is one of my favorite Westerns, if not my favorite. Oh, I love because this. Because I was so surprised by it. Yeah. And it was just one of those where I expected to be... I expected it to be like a lot of the Westerns uh-huh. that you see at uh, Exune, where you go, oh, this is neat because it's a novelty. Yeah. But I came out of it the same way with like, uh, you know, Swinger Party Massacre yeah. and... Yeah. and uh, Love Me Deadly, where it's like, oh, that was actually just a good movie yes. that fell under the umbrella of, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like there was a lot of the bands that came out in the mid-2000s, <laughs> uh-huh. but the White Stripes were actually real fucking good. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. So Face to Face was really, really good. Oh, God. And it sounds good. It's I like just that a great a character lot. turn. It, it, two dual character turns simultaneous that yeah. it, it's so well earned it's so well done that movie is exciting as fuck face to face rules oh man one. I'm gonna try and find that that yeah. sounds great it's worth checking out yeah that's cool face uh, to face so and the- it's Sergio Salima okay um, I'm trying to see if he did anything else it looks like it's just a bunch of yeah it looks like it's just a bunch of stuff that I don't know alright the big gun down <laughs> it's an interesting title Spartacus and the Ten Gladiators, Hollywood. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah, that. Cool. 
Uh, Highly recommend. Yeah, so those are our top five uh, exploitation movies that we've seen through Exhumed Films, uh, who are local to Philly, so check them out, exhumedfilms.com. And, uh, I don't know, let's plug some stuff. Well, I just want to throw this out there. Coonskin, which is also going to be streaming soon, was an exploitation film that is very cool. You should check that out. The Devil's Express known for painting eye uh, eyeballs over someone's eyelids oh. to make them look zombified, but it works doubly well because since their eyes have to be closed to be a zombie, they run into shit like a zombie. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Firecloud, oh, yeah, I the only exploitation movie, because it's not that great. I just yeah. like the concept that it's it's, uh, it's like a Native, native exploitation, I yeah. believe is the term yeah. we came up with. And then one year they played this crazy movie called The Best of Sex and Violence. Oh. And all it was was a trailer comp- compilation of sex and violence movies hosted by all three Carradines. Oh, whoa. <laughs> David Carradine, Keith Carradine, and an almost dead... Uh, what is his name? John Carradine? Robert Carradine? Uh, Robert, I Robert. think. Almost dead Carradine we don't care about. Yeah. And it's the three of them just being cheeky about titties and violence. It is so tasteless. It is so, so bad. It funny. is so stupid. But it was just a strange thing that they found on a fucking reel. Yeah. It's very cool. That's so the, funny. It's called The Best of Sex and Violence. That's so funny. And it has funny. like an IMDb credit because it's considered a film. Because yeah. Back then, a trailer reel, like yeah, that's what would happen if you yeah. cut together, like like Boogie Nights. Yeah, you gotta you gotta sell it at the theater if you yeah, want to get people to if see you get your butts fucking butts and seats. Yeah, see this trailer reel. So yeah, those are just a couple that's that, cool. that made the consideration because I wanted to mention them. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Pink Flamingos and Trackdown were the two that I thought of. That Trackdown was cool. Trackdown's pretty. Yeah, cool. Trackdown was real cool. Yeah, that that was another one with like beefy cop as uh-huh. the as the lead guy who yep. just like, wear sucks jeans. Shit. Yeah, but is the best. Yep. Uh, so let's uh, let's plug some stuff for people. So uh, you know we're both on cinedelphia.com where I think like uh, the writing has been super great this it's summer. It's been great this summer, and yeah. a lot of content's coming out. A yeah. lot of more voices coming in, and mm-hmm. and it's extending. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, we've been running through like the the best. We, we had our first clapback the other day. That's oh, huge. I know that is huge for a movie blog is to have clapback from people. Yeah, of the not really. It's actually this. Yeah, and we got that. So yeah, bad, I got badge well of honor. actually. Yeah, you yeah. got well actually yeah. from film nerds. Yeah. I did too. I know. I got well actually. It's yeah. it's crazy. Uh I felt like I clapped back somewhat appropriately. Oh yeah. We all came to each other's back up. Yeah, that was yeah, good yeah. stuff. I didn't even clap back on mine because he wasn't wrong. I was just like, I'm not getting this. Yeah, exactly. That's not a thing that <laughs> But at the same do. time. The fact that the dude that, that That's all that means that people are reading and if you're these people yes. and if you're even the clap backers, I sincerely thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for reading. Yeah. Uh you probably gave us some visibility we didn't have otherwise. Well, and also just thanks for trying to engage. Yeah, Even if your response real. was poopy, I don't care. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. reading. Uh, we've been doing, we've been running through like the last 25 years of summer blockbusters and everybody's been writing really good articles about oh, yeah. those. Uh, this coming week, I think Dan and I will both have some Mission Impossible pieces coming out. Actually, no. Oh. No, My I had my earlier piece of Fast Five and the only other one I have assigned, which is towards the end, is actually Spider-Man 2. All right, all right. Um, I did not get a Mission Impossible piece. Okay, okay. Oh, wait. I didn't mean for the summer blockbuster. Oh, for the thing, summer blockbuster. No, for yeah. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yes, there will be a Mission Impossible piece coming out. Uh, not this week, but the following Sweet. week. I got to clear my docket. I I've been yeah. off more than I could chew. I have a lot of reviews to write this week. Yeah, I I wrote mine early. I guess I, yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about it. But yeah, and I have. I think I'm doing like Inception coming up. And, oh, uh, yeah, nice, nice. A couple others for that. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on Cinadelphia right now. And uh, you know, our friends at Cinepunks, our friends that I saw it in a movie, uh, our friends over at uh, Shame Files. 
Uh, which one did you say? Movie John. Movie John. Uh, they're behind. I saw it in a movie, and they're notable because they are actually a print magazine. Oh yeah, and they're which doubly Dan notable been because in. they saw fit to publish my dumbass. So yeah. writing about Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, no less. No less. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, just uh, you know, check us out online. I like two movies. It's numeric two. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can hit us at Gmail. I like two movie at Gmail. Um, please like uh, and like subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes if you can. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Uh, more people will will find the podcast if you uh, drop a rating and a review on iTunes, and that's uh, very helpful to us. But we're on a bunch of other networks as well. If that's not where you listen to podcasts, um, uh, and check out South Street Cinema. We'll be there on July twenty eighth doing a Nicolas Cage uh, game show. That should be a fucking blast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. I write, review every movie I watch there. Uh, I'm still writing for farsightedblog.com, trying to get some more of those Herschel Gordon Lewis movies in so I can finally be done with that box set uh, on Cinadelphia.com. Boom. Yes. Yeah, same for me. Cinadelphia.com, Findy.com, um, moviejohn.com. Actually, if you don't get the print magazine, my article went digital, so you can yes. check it out there if you want. But you should check out a lot of stuff. Really good stuff there. The latest episode of I Saw It in a Movie, um, I got to, I was lucky Dana's enough to be guest. a guest on it. And we got to some truths through some Mad Max and some Ikiru. It was a lot of fun. That was a, that's a good show. I, I think that's a great concept being done well by me good too. people. Um, and you can check me out on Letterboxd, Twitter, all that stuff at Dan Scully. That is where you'll find me. And um, if I may, if you're going to see a movie this weekend, I cannot tout the graces enough of Leave No Trace. I caught this movie last uh, night. Deborah Granick, Granick, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, she did Winter's Bone. It took her eight years to make a movie because, uh, you know, and um, <laughs> uh, it's hard to get funding when you got one of them pesky old vaginas. <laughs> and uh, but this movie is phenomenal. I am about to drop a five star review mm. on it. It is just wonderful. Great performance from Ben Foster. Great performance from a newcomer actress that I'm not going to look up. I don't remember her name, but uh, I'm sorry. But she's wonderful. It's just, it's... No, I, you know yeah, Let's nope, just do it. I, I know that we're trying to keep it tight. No, no, no. I was about to say, people are going to be so surprised when they see this is a 95-minute episode of our podcast. Are we really we there? We actually did it. And her name is Thomason McKenzie. And uh, I don't know. It was just a really, really excellent movie. Solid meal prepared by a master chef. It's Love just it. phenomenal. I'm going so to see that. Definitely check out Leave No Trace. Yeah. Run. Don't walk. Yes. Check out Leave No Trace. <laughs> I'm trying to see uh, Sorry to Bother You uh, this weekend, I think. I'm trying to see Eighth Grade as soon as possible. Mm. Uh, like I said, if you want to join me for that. I might. Andy was covering it, and he was like, hey, can you cover it? I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I might do that. Uh, and blind spotting. Those are like the things oh, that are coming yeah. out soon that I'm really interested in I think blind spotting we get in two or three weeks. I think so. So like soon. a lot of the stuff. And I think coming. Andy saw that and said it was fantastic. That's what I've heard, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of cool uh, smaller stuff coming up that people mm. should look out for. Uh, I'm trying to see all those movies, so you should try and see them too. Uh, all right. Like my- Unfriended Dark Web. <laughs> yeah. Which I will be covering, guys. This yeah. is, I've seen that this week. I'm so Woo. excited. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and you motherfuckers know it. I like to movie movie. I love that you got a motherfucker in on, gotta, the, on the Dolomite episode. Dude, George Rudy know Ray Martin. You, we all know that you like to motherfucking movie movie. Because <laughs> I've lost it. We, we, like we like to movie movie, movie motherfucker. Movie motherfucker. <laughs>